What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Under the Hood podcast. I'm Jonathan Hood. Hope that you're catching me with David Kaplan every morning between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Having fun every morning with David Kaplan. And this podcast is for the college football fan. You know, college football season is here on the 28th of August. It will be week zero. And one of the featured matchups will be Nebraska against Illinois. Now, Nebraska and Illinois, two programs that have not gone in the right direction. And listen, if you've known me over the years, you know I'm a huge college football fan. I mean, nothing against the Chicago Bears or the NFL, but I love my college football Saturdays. I love watching game day in the morning or watching Fox Big Noon or whatever they call the big kickoff show on Fox. And then settling in and watching college football from 11 a.m. until, what, 1 or 2 in the morning with the Hawaii game. Well, Week Zero doesn't have a lot of featured matchups, but we will see Illinois. And so I'm going to talk to my friend from the Big Ten Network, Southside Zone, Chicago Zone, Howard Griffith. Big Ten Network, two-time Super Bowl champion, and works with us at ESPN 1000 on Bears coverage. Hey, he was at a lot of training camps, and he was able to check out what's going on with the Big Ten, and he's really impressed with Ohio State and Even though Ohio State's at the top of the food chain when it comes to the Big Ten, there's other programs that are really on the come. So let's catch up with Howard Griffith, the two-time Super Bowl champion. I'm going to call him and get his thoughts on the Big Ten and everything else around college football right here on Under the Hood. We turn now to a two-time Super Bowl champion and uh, analyst for the Big Ten Network. Chicago's very own Howard Griffith joins me here on Under the Hood. Howard, the college football season's here, man. Thanks so much for giving us some time. Hey, no problem. I'm excited about this this college football season. Obviously, we had one last year, but it was had a little had a few hiccups, obviously because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, so it's just exciting to get out of people in the stands, fans in the stands, and. And see guys running around and have an opportunity to go out and compete for championships. What do you? What are your memories of, of last year? Because it was just so uneven, right? In the NFL, somehow, some way, Roger Goodell got two hundred fifty-six games in in the Super Bowl. But college, it was different, man. What What are your memories of last year? You know, it, it was just the uncertainty from week to week. I mean, you didn't know whether you were going to, you know, be covering a game or not because yeah. you, know, you didn't know what what uh, issues could come up could arise and and you know there were games last week where issues arose game day or the day before the game and mm-hmm. and you know guys didn't know whether they were going to play or not so you know i know it was frustrating for us but i can only imagine what it was like you know for the, for the players and, and the coaches who were trying to prepare for games and then sometimes not even have an opportunity to play Okay, let's talk about the Illini in Week Zero. They get a chance to play against Nebraska. First, let's talk about Brandon Peters, the offense. What are your expectations for Illinois offensively under Coach Bielema? You know, I think the biggest thing for them is not turning the football over. You know, I know everyone wants to know what what's the scheme, what's the style going to look like. Is it going to look like the Badgers running game where, you know, they really just want to pound people into submission? Or is it going to be a more spread out offense? I think it'll be some sort of combination of that. Uh, but for Brandon Peters, it's about him being able to, you know, take care of the football and be able to move the offense. Because I think they'll be a tough team. They'll be a physical team at the point of attack. Uh, and really, I think it'll, it'll give... <laughs> you know, the Cornhuskers are a heck of a game. I'm actually going to take Illinois in this game after seeing both the teams practice and get ready for the season. 
with Lovey now being with the Houston uh, Texans, I'm glad he landed on his feet after the Illini. I just can you kind of go back and retrospect and see what the problem was? I know talking about it, Howard, I just thought he just didn't have the talent and then trying to get that St. Louis pipeline at the last minute. It just it just seems though that there was somewhat of a defensive identity, but just not enough offensive identity for the Illini to win under Lovey. What, what did you see? Yeah, I think what really hurt um, Lovey Smith in Illinois is the, the inability to, to recruit at a high level. I think that's really what hurt him. And, you know, it wasn't that he couldn't close a deal, but they were struggling to get kids even to go visit the campus. And, you know, they made a concerted effort to, to go into to Texas and to go into Florida and spend a lot of time down there and, and really didn't get an opportunity to benefit uh, from all the time they spent recruiting those areas. Uh, they weren't able to get the players out of there that they thought they would be able to get. And, you know, they had some success in the transfer portal. Uh, that was going to work for them. But you still have to be able to recruit the high school kids and get them on campus and get the quality guys on campus that you need to, to be able to win football games. And, you know, that, that's ultimately what hurt him. And his inability to really pick staff members who were going to put him in the best position to be successful as a coach because listen everybody knows lovey likes to do things his way right but i think the problem was getting the staff around him that really could complement maybe some of his shortcomings when it comes to recruiting and being able to tap into to a lot of the talent not only you know in the chicago land area with chicago st louis indianapolis when you look back historically when illinois has had good teams they really had a lot of players from from those three areas, and then they were able to go whether it was to Florida or to, out to to DC or to California to be able to get some players to to also supplement that. But that's something that uh, Coach Smith really struggled to get to, um, and it's unfortunate. I thought that the hire of Bielema was sudden as if he was behind door number one all along because usually <laughs> there's a process, Howard. Like, yeah. dude, it was it was swift. That when Bielema put in it. So, what would be your advice for for Brett in this spot? He gets another bite of the apple. He's very fortunate to have this job. I still believe Illinois is a plum job. What's the advice for him? Because I think that you laid out a really good game plan from a, a um, recruiting standpoint for sure. I think one of the things that he's going to have success with is just that recruiting. He understands the conference. He's played in the conference has success in the conference as a head coach, as an assistant coach. And he's gone off to, went off to Arkansas, and I think he'll tell you, failed miserably. Yeah. Had it, right? Had some success, but ultimately, I think when he looks back at it, you know, it was an unsuccessful tour. They spent some time in the National Football League, um, and, and that has helped him as well. So I think you're getting a mature Brett Bielema as opposed to the 31-year-old Brett Bielema that was running the Badgers. And he, listen, he, he did some great things there, but I think you're getting a mature coach that's had an opportunity to be at the pro level, has success at college, uh, has some failures at college. So he's walking into a situation where, you know, he's got brand new facilities. Um, you know, he, he's got an athletic director that's going to be behind him, giving him the keys to the car. For him, it's just about going out and, and really, he's got to lay the foundation, um, around the state and around the area so that he can go back into these high schools and recruit. And what does that look like? Sometimes you're taking a kid that this year he's a take. 
in two years from now, he's probably not a take for you as far as you know the development of the program. But because they do such a good job of going in and recruiting now, even if they don't get a player, that's going to pay dividends down the road. And you know, already the, the Illinois, at least the Illinois High School uh, Coaches Association, is really excited because he understands how important they, they are to Illinois. And that's one of the things that Coach Smith did never really got comfortable with really interacting with a lot of the uh, high school coaches around the state. Uh, so as far as Nebraska is concerned, you feel like Illinois could beat Nebraska. This will be an opportunity to take on Adrian Martinez in Nebraska. And one thing for sure about Lovey's teams, his defense was not shabby. Uh, yep. They allowed two passing and two and rushing touchdowns per game last season. So what do you think the uh, Illinois defense does against Nebraska's own? I think they have to make Martinez very uncomfortable. Um, he's the type of player. He has the talent. Uh, he has the talent where he should be or could be in the Heisman conversation. And when I first saw him in his first practice, I said, you couldn't have told me any way that there was any way he wouldn't be in those type of conversation. That's that's the upside, the skill set that he has. Now, he was dealing with a lot of stuff last year like most players were and really couldn't get into a rhythm. Uh, it's going to be important to keep him out of rhythm because if he starts to press, that works in Illinois' favor. And in Illinois, they can't allow him to beat, beat you because he's, he's got that type of talent where he can lift a team and carry a team. So it's really about making him uncomfortable, trying to take the football away uh, and not turning it over uh, from an offensive standpoint. But, you know, they have some talent. They have some speed on that, that offense. But I think the biggest thing is keeping the quarterback uh, – and not allowing him to get in his comfort zone to be able to really control the game. How many wins do you see on this Illinois schedule, Howard? Woo, I, I think it's hard to say. Um, <laughs> it's not hard for me to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. It's still hard to say. I want to see what they, honestly, I want to see what they look like. Uh-huh. And, and I could probably answer that question after the first half. You know, because you know what they're going to, you know what they look like, and you know how they're going to go out and compete. It's just so hard to, to, to pick a guess. And you, you don't know whether you're going to be right or wrong. But at the end of the day, I, I think if they can play hard, play tough, and play smart and not beat themselves, and they can be in a game in the fourth quarter, I mean, they got a chance to, you know, to win some games. But you got to win this first one. And it's tough because, you know, Brett, people expect him to lose or it won't be a big deal. If you're at Nebraska and you lose to Illinois, I mean, things are not going to be good for you. <laughs> uh, in in Nebraska, people are going to be after that team a lot because, you know, and they have been because they've really underachieved uh, for the last few years. I'll tell you one thing about Nebraska before I move on to the Big Ten. I'll tell you the rest of the Big Ten. I'll tell you this. You talk about dedicated fans, basketball and football. They're there. They don't like what they're seeing, but they're there mm-hmm. for support. That's, that's good for a program. Yeah, it's great for a program. Uh, most programs um, – when you're struggling, you know, we can look down the Champagne. When they're struggling, nobody's in the stands, right? Period. You go to places like Wisconsin, Nebraska, I mean, Iowa, when those teams struggle, and I granted they don't struggle like Illinois, but when those fans, when they're going through some hard times, the fans are still there. And that's a testament to, to that fan base, but they're hungry for a winner. They really are. And uh, hopefully they can get that figured out because they deserve to be. You know, be happy. All fan bases do, but obviously somebody's got to got to be sad and gonna go home with a hell. Howard, I think uh, Ohio State. I don't know if they're going to be as good as the 2020 version, but that still should be good enough to win the East. 
man. Let me just say this, Eddie. They're better. Mm -hmm. And that's scary to say. Um, that team, I mean, they're fresh from the class that they just had to sit rolled down. True freshmen. I mean, they are unbelievable. Marvin Harrison's junior, mm -hmm. uh, Marvin Harrison's son, 6'3 receiver, a grown man right now. Uh, would be one of the best receivers on anybody's team, but he's at Ohio State, so he's got Gary Wilson and Olave that he's you know going to be playing with, so he doesn't have get to be that marquee guy this year. But the talent is unbelievable there. They're going to have one of the biggest offensive lines in the country. They're very athletic. Their right tackle is like six seven, three sixty, and moves around like he's two seventy five. Mm -hmm. So I mean, they just got talent all over the place it's, it's scary to watch that team but to get back to your question I, I don't think there's anyone right now from a talent standpoint unless Stroud really plays poorly at the quarterback position which I don't think he'll do I think that's gonna be a hard team to beat in the east I, I don't know who's gonna really give them a run outside of Indiana will be there I know uh, Penn State will be there as well but those are two teams that aren't as talented as Ohio State so if Ohio State is clicking on all cylinders they're going to be tough to beat this year. You know, also tough to beat would be Penn State. I love, yeah. you know, I love early. I love the battle early to know who you are out of the box, yeah. right? No September doubt. 4th at Wisconsin for Penn mm -hmm. State. Ball State, then Auburn on the 18th. Look out now, yeah. right? Now, yeah, yeah. Now, now, Auburn's not Auburn, but it's still Auburn. You know what I'm saying? It's still, like, it's, it's still, they're still formidable. So, no in those doubt. first couple of games, that'll tell a story about uh, Franklin's team, right? Yeah, it really will, Clifford's got to come out and, and really play well. And to me, you know, this is what college football is right now. It's really about the guy under center. Mm -hmm. I mean, because he can, he it ultimately makes or breaks you. When you start talking about trying to compete for championships, if you don't have a guy like that, then it's tough to win those big games. And so as he goes, I think that defense goes. The defense is going to be really good uh, this year again. Even though, you know, they don't have Michael Parsons, but you know, who's going off to Dallas going to be doing big things, but they didn't have him last year either uh, when they had an opportunity to play. So I, I think that's a team that's going to bounce back. Struggled early in the season, but really rallied at the end. Um, so I expect that team to come out and play with a lot of fire. I saw what Feinbaum said 24 hours ago about a Harbaugh in Michigan. He says, you know, stop the pain now, just fire him. And I'm just, I, I know he hates the Big Ten. That's fine. I understand we're fine, Bob. He's got to support his SEC. I get that. Yeah. But, I, you know, my expectations, you tell me if I'm wrong. I think that uh, Harbaugh's defense will be really solid this year. But once again, I'm not sure about what I'm going to see offensively. Can you convince me the offense could be better this year? Yeah, I can't convince you of it. Mm -hmm. I saw one practice, but I can't convince you of it um, because I don't know. I mean, they haven't really, you know, had a lot of development at the quarterback spot uh, since he's taken over. And, he, you know, he's went from being, you know, with many, uh, when he took the job, considered as a QB guru um, to not being able to develop, you know, quarterbacks there. So, you know, he, he's had those issues. Uh, defensively, I think they'll be better. Uh, because they're not going to be playing this pressure defense all the time that Don Brown wanted to play, really put his corners and a lot of players in, in bad positions where they weren't able to execute. Now, they were able to execute against teams that, had, that didn't have the type of talent they did, but if they played against a team that had more talent or was talent was equal, they lost those games most of the time, and it was never pretty. Um, so I think you're right, they'll be better defensively. Um, but they've got they've got a lot to prove. Um, you know, I still think right now 
you can make the argument that they're probably the fourth best team in the East. I mean, you, you I'd have them, you know, obviously behind Ohio State, behind Indiana, behind uh, Penn State. And right now, I mean, they have better talent than Michigan State, but that Michigan State with Mel Tucker is going to be a tough team to beat as well. Oh, boy. When you're behind Indiana, yeah, boy. Think about that. Boy, <laughs> Indiana's about that. better. Yeah, they're better. <laughs> Indiana just got a transfer from uh, – Where's he from? I think Texas A&M that they got in the portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they got some players, man. They got they got players over there. They, you know, some of the guys that they were able to pull out the portal to really supplement that team, uh, put them in a good spot. And that's going to be a fun team to watch. I mean, they're going to going to be another team. You know, uh, if, if Michael Penix can stay healthy, mm-hmm. um, he's going to give them a boost. Now, I'm going to tell you this. They got a true freshman. I'm blanking on his name right now, but he can go. So it's, it's gonna, he's going to have an opportunity this year to really be able, I think, be able to help maybe. They're not going to run Penix as much as they may have run him in the past because of the injury issues. And obviously they want to keep him on the field and give him an opportunity to show his wares for the NFL. So I think they're going to get some other young players in there that are going to help him be able to move the ball and be dynamic at the quarterback spot as well. By the way, the Michigan schedule early, Western Michigan, okay. Washington, mm-hmm. look out. Yep. Northern lookout. Be careful now. Just be careful. Like I know they they're still trying to build, but that could that could be something. And then Rutgers in the twenty fifth. So again, early they'll tell you a story. Who scheduled Washington coming into the house? Hold on, you don't know, you don't know what that is, man. <laughs> Hang on. No, but maybe, hey, maybe they were. That was a little foreshadowing of the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac twelve alliance ah. a few years ago. Because that's the kind of games we're going to be getting early on a lot of these football schedules now. I'd be scared. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you're the coach. Only if you're the coach. Now, if you're the fans, you're tuning in. Those are the games you want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll see what happens with Michigan. (laughs) They're always interesting. Michigan's always interesting. Nothing else. Uh, What what else do you look at in the Big Ten that is interesting to you based on the camp tours that you took? Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Minnesota, I mean, their their offense and defensive line, I, I think, are much better than than I was anticipating. I've probably seen those guys since we've been covering the conference. I've probably seen them practice maybe 24, 25 times, and this is by far the most talented team that that I've seen uh, in Minnesota. And P.J. Fleck has got that thing rolling now. He's doing an unbelievable job out on the recruiting trail, and those players believe in him, and they believe in the system. And Tanner Morgan... You know, had some some stuff going. Obviously, COVID, but also lost his father last year, and never really could get into a a, a good rhythm. Uh, this is going to be another opportunity for him to step up because you go back two years ago, uh, he was probably you know one or two behind Justin Fields, depending on who you want. Uh, he was playing in games where he was completing passes of seventy percent. Uh, some games where he was over 70% completion rate uh, percentage. So when he gets hot, he's a dangerous quarterback. And, you know, they've got some young receivers up there that are really going to help them as well. And it's a team that's about scoring points. If you want to win championships, get to the Big Ten uh, championships and win, you got to be able to score points. And that's a team I think in Minnesota is going to be able to do that. What's the difference between Northwestern last year and this year? <sighs> Consistent quarterback play. Yeah. Uh, if, if Hunter Johnson can play to the 
half the potential that, that people thought he had coming out, which you know got obviously got him a scholarship and got him on the roster down at Clemson. Um, but unfortunately, Trevor Lawrence was there. So if, if he's won, he's won the job now. But they've got to be more dynamic in playmaking. Uh, is what they have to be able to do defensively. You know, they lost a long-time uh, defensive coordinator and Mike Hankowitz, who's, you know, his loss is going to be felt because he was, you know, a steady hand in that in that defensive meeting room. But for that defense, they took the ball away all the time. Uh, Brandon Joseph is going to have to have another big year as far as turnovers are concerned, taking the ball away, uh, and that can help him. But one thing you know about, you know, Pat Fitzgerald teams, and listen, <laughs> they rarely um, disappoint. No matter what you see in practice, you you can walk away from that practice and say, Pat will figure it out. He'll figure it out. They may not have been at their best today, but normally he's going to figure it out. That's kind of where they have to be. But it's got to be, you know, really good quarterback play from Hunter Johnson is really going to help them. I uh, I have not spoken to you since the NIL has been part of the college football. And I was thinking about, like, what would Howard Griffin, what would he have as far as his NIL? So I wrote it down here. Number five, uh, you would definitely be a spokesperson for Bubbles Liquor and Tap on 93rd and Stoney. So that's one. I also wrote down Fun Town um, uh, on Stoney also. You would be a spokesperson for for the amusement park Fun Town back in the day. Uh Uh, Howard Griffin representing Soul Queen, uh, Soul Food. Uh, You'd be in there with some greens and uh, some cornbread. Uh, eating the soul food from Soul Queen. Uh-huh. Uh, also, Howard Griffin would also do commercials for Food Basket. Um, yep. Right off of... <laughs> yep. Right off I mean, of... These, <laughs> are, these are all places, right? In, yep, I'm right with you. <laughs> and also, I'm thinking either either a Jewel or a Dominix. I think you probably... <laughs> also, maybe a Dominix, which is now closed now. I think you'd have NIL for that. Do I have that right? I think you do. I think you're right up there. I mean, you know, I thought Ken Woods... Would, would be a good one, but they've seen the gun by the wayside uh, on the south side. And, hey, there's always docks. Yes. Huh? Let's see if I could get a fish wish. I can see that. And be able to knock that one out. Hey, Sharkberry shake. I can see you did that. Absolutely. I, I want to know your thoughts on this, man. This is the slippery slope here with the NIL, and I've been reading where there's some athletes, some student athletes that are gotten. You know, six-figure deals, I mean, which is amazing. How do you see this when it first came across? <laughs> I'm excited for the players, Yeah, to be quite honest. I mean, and it's, it's well overdue. Um, it's going to be gonna be the wild, wild west here for probably another two years before, you know, people can get their, wrap their minds about around what's happening. Um, you know, all it's going to take right now is for one of these quarterbacks that's gotten a big deal when they come in as a freshman for things not to work out and then they decide to transfer uh, I think you're going to see people these are all going to end up being one year deals that, that happen um, but listen I, it, it's good, great for players I, I think a lot of uh, you know we, get, we hear about um, you know the, the big name quarterbacks and, and basketball players but I think the people that are going to have an opportunity to really benefit is some of the non-revenue sports, whether it's volleyball, women's basketball. You know, I think there's some of, I think there was an article that came out last summer about the top 25 um, uh, valuable uh, social media handles that were out there. Mm -hmm. And most of the people on that list were, you know, non-revenue sports. You know, yeah, I think you they they had to get all the way down to number nine and number ten before there was a basketball or a football player mentioned. 
So there are opportunities out there for all of these young people to go out there and, and make some money off their name. I think for the most part, you know, they're going to be, you get, you know, X amount off this if you sell this many. You're sending out promo codes. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, they have to re- also realize it's a job, you know, because people aren't doing these deals just for the sake of doing it. You know, they're going to have, the, the young people are going to have to do some work to continue to earn that money. But, you know, it's a great opportunity for them. Uh, they just have to figure out how to make sure that it's managed prof- properly and that um, they continue to move forward, obviously, their classwork. And it's only going to be a matter of time before one coach is complaining, uh, well, if your mind was on the game and not on, on the deal that you're getting ready to sign or the deal that you have to do, uh, it's only going to take a couple of those to get out publicly to see these coaches really go off the deep end. Lastly, Howard, and I appreciate your time. I just want to get your reaction to the alliance with the Big uh, Ten, Pac-12, and ACC. I like they can do whatever they want with the money, Howard. I just don't mess up my college football. Don't, don't, just don't mess it up. Just because the SEC is almighty powerful, right? Just understand what you have here. The Big Ten themselves is a fantastic powerful conference across the board don't just you know get in bed with the pac-12 it's who's been lousy under that was lousy under larry scott you know acc just i i just don't want to mess up what we already have here but what what do you think of this alliance working together yeah well i think it's a couple things well it's more than a couple things um you had three new um, athletic directors who were not involved in the, tw- the discussion of the 12-team playoff and weren't even asked for input, right? So um, you have that. You also have them also looking at it like we can change college football, or not change just college football, but college athletics to keep it on what they believe is, is the right track. Um, and I think ultimately, yes, it is about money. It's about television deals. And they're not going to mess this thing up, but what it, what it really is going to do when you start talking about scheduling, and this almost happened maybe three or four years ago with the Pac-12, where they were going to rank you know, the number one team in the Big Ten, played the number one team in the Pac-12, and so on down the list. Now you're going to do that, plus you're going to have the opportunity to play the Clemsons of the world and the Virginia Techs of the world. Those are going to bring massive dollars from the networks and it's only two when you talk about that espn and fox Mm -hmm. but they are going to pay handsomely for that and listen i know ou and texas are going to bring money to the sec but the facts still are the big 10 still pays out more money to their to their members that's nine million dollars more than the sec is paying out and those numbers are going to continue to skyrocket even with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma. I don't think the SEC is going to be able to catch the Big Ten when it comes to the television revenue. And that's driving the SEC folks crazy uh, in the office down there. And they're trying to figure out how do they catch up. And that was a way they thought they could. Problem is now they need the Big Ten. They need the ACC. They need the Pac-12 to be in lockstep with them to get anything done. So now with the alliance... If they're like-minded and what what an actual alliance is means that they're going to work together to make sure that they better college athletics and that it moves in the direction they want it to move in. Not that they're going to go, not that the SEC doesn't want to go in the right direction, but now you've got these three new commissioners with more power, I think, now 
than people even imagined could even happen with three new commissioners. They thought maybe, well, you know, we might be able to push them around a little bit. Not anymore. Not with this deal that's been struck. Well, Howard, I'm so looking forward to the college football season, man. It seems like it's been so far away, but it's going to be fun starting on Saturday to watch Illinois and then moving forward. A few, you know, off-the-beat off games, but at least we got college football. I'm looking forward to that. I know. It's going to be exciting. Hope we have a great season and all these young folks and we all can just stay healthy and, and continue to move forward and uh, have a great college football season and hopefully have a great basketball season as well. Yeah, let's let's stay healthy for sure because it's not like the NFL moving their games to Tuesday at 3 o'clock, you know, replacing <laughs> Ellen. Yeah, that's, <laughs> they're not doing that. That doesn't man. work. <laughs> <laughs> not in college, no. So right. I'm looking forward to it, man. Thanks so much as always for giving me some time. All right, buddy. Take care. Ah, good to talk to Howard Griffith, two-time Super Bowl champion and part of the Big Ten Network. Every week, I'll give you a little college football. It could be from a sports gambling standpoint or analysis. Either way, and how much I love college football, you can be able to hear it right here on Under the Hood. As always, I appreciate your support. Make sure you leave five stars in a review for Under the Hood. We've got a lot of great content as far as the NBA with our Under the Hood basketball podcast. And, of course, the kids from Illinois Media School doing their thing. Got a couple of shows on right now, Blow the Whistle and also the Go-To Guys. So hope they're enjoying the extra content that we provide here on Under the Hood. As always, I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood basketball podcast, the Under the Hood college football podcast, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, everything that we do right here in this space.